previously on Movie Deja Vu. <laughs> yes, there are 11 of them. So that's a lot of movies. That's a lot of, we have a lot of movies to cover. Granted, you, once you do them back to back, you're like, uh, I see. <laughs> like, you're just like teaching me that I should not get invested in any character. Okay. Well, Shady, it's unfortunate. Our time today has run out. However, I do want to pick this up next week where we talk about characters even more. It's Welcome again to part two of Movie Deja. <laughs> we definitely didn't record these in the same sitting. <laughs> Shut up, Shady. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, a Last podcast. week was 1980. This week is 1981. That's just the turnover rate for these things. <laughs> And this is the podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere from two movie aficionados? I didn't come up with anything quippy this time. I'm John. That's Shady. Let's go at it. We're talking part two, Friday the 13th. <laughs> Great. If any of you forgot last week, I have a quick rundown that I could tell you about each of the movies with my differences. Are you ready? Shady, are you ready? I'm ready. Friday the 13th, Pamela Voorhees. Friday the 13th, Part 2, Jason with the Sack. Friday the 13th, Part 3, Jason gets his mask. Friday the 13th, uh, the, final fr- the final chapter, uh, Introduction of Tommy Jarvis. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, Roy. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Jason comes back. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, Jason versus the Psychic. Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason on a boat. Friday the 13th. Nope, that, that's not the name of it. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. Jason's <laughs> spirit jumps into different bodies. Jason X. Jason in space. Friday the 13th. 2009. The remake of 2 through 4. Yeah. Yeah. With, with a dash of 1 at the very beginning. With a dash of 1. and For then like 20 seconds. And then a different ending entirely? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. didn't die via wood chipper in any other one. I'm no, surprised. He, he did get hacked. It's implied he's hacked to pieces in part four, which is why that one's supposed to be like, Jason's really dead this time. And then, and then again, then after, part after, six. Yeah. But like at that point, he's like straight up a zombie. Like he, he, he's <laughs> in parts two through four, it's supposed to be like, oh, we thought he was dead, but he was actually alive the whole time. And then by part six, they're like, yeah, no, he just came back from the dead. He fucking takes, takes a machete in the, is this the trap? The shoulder area? Yeah. Whatever. Uh-huh. He, he has a machete there. How is he alive from that? He's made of so much muscle, John. <laughs> and, and muscle uh, protects your arteries. That's how biology works. That is what I learned in anatomy, which I did not take. So we ended last week's discussion talking about the characters of specifically the remake. And mm-hmm. I wanted it to 
put it on hold because we could have a whole discussion about that right now. Um, I feel like, and I wanted to say this last week, so now I'm going to be able to say it. I feel like the remake tried Mm. to do what the rest of the series did with the character where they base it off the characterizations. So like, you know how they slowly become idiots and they're like, you're the dumb blonde, you're the stoner, you're the prankster, you're the this, you're the that. I think they try to do that really hard in the remake, but Mm -hmm. people in horror movies have become a little more complex than you're the dumb blonde. It also, it just makes it a little too predictable too, who's going to die when and who's going to have the most brutal death and all of that based on who you're supposed to like the most. It doesn't bother me. I just find it boring. One of the things I like about part six a lot is that it's the character who normally would be one of the ones to die first is the final girl, Megan Garris. She's blonde. She's flirty. She wants to party. She's less serious. And she's got, you know, her friend who's sort of the shy bookish one and it's normally you would assume that the friend is the one who survives but instead it's Megan who survives and that's part of why I like it because it does something different from the formula. It's interesting because that's the one that really breaks its own rules. Mm -hmm. Oh that one is like halfway a parody of itself. Yes because they make reference in that one scene in the car where the woman's like yeah I don't know her name I'm not looking it up because I don't care right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, where she's like, I know I've seen enough horror movies that the guy in the mask is not, <laughs> is not good. <laughs> right, yeah. That's not good news. Um, it's not good news. So, fun fact, that actress is uh, the director's, director's wife. wife. This movie was very interesting because it's, I think we said this last week. We did say this last week. This mm-hmm. is the one film that doesn't include nudity. Mm-hmm. It is a sex scene, but there's no nudity. Right. It's- very fascinating. Yeah, it's with a girl who's wearing a very baggy t-shirt and therefore does not have to take it off to have sex. Mm -hmm. And obviously she's um, writing some guy, so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's also the one, aside from Tommy Jarvis and Reggie, who I'm going to say are exceptions because they actively fight Jason and they actively survive the events and everything, Part six is also the only one where the camp is actually open and has children there when Jason comes to kill the counselors. Right, because part, the first one, the Mm -hmm. very first one, which, you know what? I'm now going to mention them. The years. Ah! (laughs) Scrolling through IMDb finally paid (laughs) off on all these trivia. So technically, the first one has kids at a at the camp at the very at the cold open. Yeah. But it, so on July on June thirteenth, nineteen fifty eight, that's when little Jason Voorhees is already presumed dead, kind of. And you have the first two victims of this franchise get murdered, mm-hmm. sort of off camera. <laughs> It's from the killer's point of view, and it artistically cuts away from the actual violence. (laughs) And then it jumps to June 13th, 1979, which technically wasn't a Friday, but (laughs) And then in this one, they're getting ready for the kids to come. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, we've talked about how we worked at a camp before. Right. So... 
I haven't pre-camp. The pre-camp. Yeah. And luckily, we didn't have to do things like replace the gutter. <laughs> if you did like actual pre-camp, pre-camp, we had to do stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that. Huzzah! <laughs> but you you would come with the uh, tech, right? So you would come for like actual staff orientation. Staff, yes. Uh, I, a couple of years, would go for pre-camp, pre-camp, because you get a little extra money if you do that. But it is, like, two weeks of, like, all right, guys, we have to build bunk beds. All right, guys, we got to go get rid of all of the spider webs and other insects that might be living here. All right, guys, let's go uh, check for raccoon nests or something. <laughs> well, that's why I liked Alice. I don't want to say I liked her the most, but that's why I liked her as a final girl. This was before they were doing more of the innocent tropes. Right, right. I mean, she's still innocent, but, like, she can hold herself. You see her replace the gutter. She also smokes a joint or something, or drinks. Yeah. Yeah, no, we see her smoke a joint. It's, Im- I mean, and I don't think implied. we ever actually see her drink, but it's never like, she's never like clutching her pearls over anyone else drinking. Right, and it's implied she's had sex. Right, so, with her boss, possibly. With her boss, who's like 10 years older than her. Right, so, so. she's not the pure virginal final girl that we know and love now that only ever gets parodied anymore because <laughs> it's a little hard to take her seriously anymore. But then- let, let's go into final... Let's talk about some final girls then. Yeah. then you have Ginny in part two, which, uh. fun fact, takes place in August 1979, R.I.P. Alice, and then July 13th, <laughs> 1984, and then the next two movies take place over the next four days. Right. So technically, part one is technically a period piece, only by a year, but still a period piece. Part two primarily takes place technically in the future from when it was made, as does part three. Part four is when it finally catches up to itself in the real world timeline. And then, and then from they that jump point in the on, future. <laughs> yeah, from that point on, they're just jumping all over the place. I don't know what the timeline is anymore. Five is 1989, because that's time Tommy Jarvis is now, ooh, young adult? Teenager. Yeah, he, like a, an older teen. But it's funny because it's the number six is supposed to take place a year later in 1990. Right. <laughs> Part seven is takes... supposed to be several years later because. Well, presumably... it's supposed to be 91. That's at the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning. And then, and then the rest of it is. 10 years later, 2001. <laughs> and boy, does it look like 2001. And then Jason on a Boat takes place in 2002. <laughs> Jason Goes to Hell takes place in 2005. <laughs> but um, this one, yeah. this one's my favorite. Jason X. <laughs> takes place in 2010 and 2455. Because why? Fuck it. Yes. And then uh, the... At least that one is legitimately science fiction. <laughs> And not just, we're just going to dress everything up as exactly as it is now, but pretend it's 20 years in the future. We love premarital sex. (laughs) And then the The remake remake has the beginning take place in the 80s, and then the rest of it takes place in present day, so 2009. Yeah. So that one, like, course corrects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Ginny. I I love Ginny. 
She's I, my favorite. I started building my statue to her. Have you, <laughs> have, you have you finished yours yet? Uh, yes, I do need Pamela Voorhees' decapitated head to finish it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, Ginny is one of my favorite final girls in the entire slasher genre ever. I think she's fantastic. I want to give some love to Remy. Okay. I know we said last week that she's written poorly mm-hmm. in a way, but like... I, I think the acting is really good, though. The acting's really good, and she like holds her own yes obviously she's scared but like when push comes to shove she's ready she's ready to fight for her life yeah she just also endangers three other people with her vehicular skills (laughs) and also fuck what's her name from jason x oh rowan rowan or km rowan okay oh i i do really like rowan She's also a little bit in a different category because she's not a teenager. She is... An adult? Yeah, she works for, like, the military. Well, yeah, so, like, her and Jessica from Final Friday, or Mm. Jason Goes to Hell, however you want to call it. Because Jessica's supposed to be an adult, too, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be, like, mid-20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she has a baby, and there's no reference to, like, oh, you're so young to have a baby. So I assumed mid-20s. They are the oldest, quote-unquote, because mm. obviously they're only, like, six years older than what the rest of the characters are supposed to be or something like that. Right. They would fall within, like, the same generation. They just, you know, they've graduated college. A lot of these women and men, I'll mm-hmm. give it, they're actually, they can hold their own. I feel like, though, Chris just falls into that role on accident. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that they cut her backstory, because that would have been so good if, like, they made her a little stronger and they didn't cut the backstory. Yeah. Where Jason raped her. What? (laughs) I'm not a big fan of Chris. She does, like, a lot of just, like... Like you said, she just kind of falls into it. It's, I mean, I guess you could say the same about Alice, where, like, by the time she even realizes there is a murderer to run away from, everybody else is dead. Like, I don't know. I feel like with so many other of the final girls, they're actively trying to help other people, too, and rescue other people. And then with, like, Chris, it's just like, well, that, all I have is survival. That's, I'm just fighting for me. Yeah, and Trish, I feel like, also does that. Yeah, but at least Trish has a personality. She has a personality, but she relied on the man too much. She relied, oh, God, what the fuck is his name? It's like Ronnie or something. Rob. Rob. It's an R name. Yes. Rob. She relies on him. Is he the one that's the random... His sister was one of the victims in part two. And he was he the is, one. He's the random character that it, that ju- is just backpacking. Right. Yeah. He's he's there to uh, avenge his sister, which his sister supposedly died only two days ago. <laughs> but that's a plot point they reuse in the remake. Uh, that's where a lot of the part four element in the remake comes in. With uh, Jared Padalecki's character is also trying to avenge his sister who was attacked and presumably killed by Jason Voorhees. Right, but at least they waited, like, months. Right, there was, like, 
an actual period of, hey, I filed a missing persons report and nobody seems to be helping me. Feels like their mom died in the... By the way, guys, I'm sorry that I'm questioning a lot of these stories. (laughs) It's 11 movies and my brain is just like, something happened? (laughs) We compressed a lot of low budget 80s gore in a very short period of time. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're... If you're yelling at us, because, you know, I listen to podcasts, too. And if you're yelling at us that we're wrong, write to us. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not done with the episode yet, because we still have more to talk about. Boop, boop, <laughs> boop, boop. But I will say, like, at least with Trish, she does have a personality, which automatically endears me to a character more, regardless of what else they do or what decisions they make. But also, she does a lot to, like, try to save her own brother. Like, she's fighting not just for herself. She's fighting for her brother as well. Mm. which does make the stakes in her confrontation with Jason a lot bigger. I just feel like that she, for the longest time, she relied too heavily on Rob. Do you want to hear my entirely too generous analysis of that whole plot, subplot? Yes. It can be read as a commentary on toxic masculinity about how the man can swoop in and save the woman but instead all he's doing is just making a bunch of dumbass decisions because he thinks it's heroic and it gets him killed horribly while she gets to survive because she's actually relying on other people, learning how to rely on other people in addition to herself. And it's teamwork that makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) And she's more, she's bet she is better able to survive because she's not proud enough to think that she can handle Jason on her own. Hmm. That is entirely, that's entirely too generous. I'm pretty sure that was not the intent of the filmmakers. No, the, the men that wrote this movie did not think that because obviously men don't think that way, especially (laughs) in the 80s. Not in the 80s. (laughs) Not in Ronald Reagan's America. No. Um, I I also feel like Pam and Trish kind of fall in the same category. They're very similar characters. And I mean, ranking all the final girls, they're not like my top final girls for this franchise. No, your top final girl is Ginny. Ginny and then Megan and then Alice. Megan Garris. I love Megan Garris. So in the remake, who is the final girl? Is it more Jared Padalecki? Or is it his sister, the character's name is Whitney? I mean, I want to say it's Jared Padalecki. Clay? Clay is his character's name? Okay, Clay. Um, I want to say it's Clay because he's the one who we're actually following for the whole movie. So there is an emotional payoff to seeing him survive rather than somebody who we barely know for most of the movie. In their favor, they did a fake out with us mm-hmm. because this movie time jumps three twice. Yeah. So you've got the, the intro in the 80s and then you have this one group of people who die, which that scenario is original out of all the stuff that later happens that they're like remember when this happened in this other movie yeah yeah it's a lot less referential except for the fact that he has a bag on his head right that's the only referential thing the rest of it seemed am i wrong in saying this no i don't think so i don't think you're wrong 
don't at me, people. <laughs> Shady agreed. Yes. So at, at us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you see a group of five people, five friends. Yes. Who are all just a bunch of blithering idiots, except for Whitney, who barely says anything. My favorite is I'm sorry, the... I hated these characters so much. Every time I rewatch <laughs> this movie, I'm like, can, can you all just die already? My favorite is the, is the girl with the fake boobs, just like, oh, I'm rubbing <laughs> lotion on it. Oh. <laughs> Nobody acts like that. Like, that's like the thing. That's why At I least... love it, because it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, it annoys me so much. Like, Maybe that's the referential part. Because they're like, remember in the 80s when they were all about tits? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess she is kind of like the, the tits girl in uh, part five. It's so, showtime! <laughs> no, not that one. The other one who just has sex in the woods with her boyfriend and then just like lies there topless for no reason. Oh, the and porn then gets, star? Like, yeah, and then she has like the garden shears shoved in her eyes. All she does in that movie, she's in several scenes, but all she does is just, like, act horny. That's supposed to be her character. Like, that's why she's in the home. But, like, there are actual nymphomaniacs who don't act that way. Nobody behaves that way in real life. I feel like, though, she would have been masturbating afterwards if she's a total nympho. They're going, like, she's so horny Yeah, she has to have sex. I feel like after she has sex with that guy, she would have been masturbating. Yeah. But that's just me rewriting it. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, no, the character with the fake tits in uh, the remake reminds me of her. Where like her, her, whole, her whole thing is just be hot and like want to have sex with some dude. So I saved this for this episode. We're going to talk about my favorite thing in horror movies and in movies mm. in general that mm. we've discussed on the podcast it's now time to talk about character names <laughs> i wish we were shock jocks and we actually had yeah. <laughs> but we're not that so i noticed <laughs> going back to the first movie our first two victims ever have character names but they're never mentioned Mm-hmm. you watch the credits and you just see these characters Barry and Claudette and you're like who the fuck is that <laughs> who's Barry Barry's our first victim ever in the series Yay. huzzah in part four we have one character that's technically not named the hippie no yes you're right I, I was thinking Mrs. Jarvis because she doesn't have oh. a first name but oh, okay. yes, the hippie doesn't have a name. Banana yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> the hitchhiker. She's the first character to not have a name name. Right. Right. Like because... even in the credits. Because even in previous movies, they had names in the credits. Right. Right. Even like uh, the mortician and the nurse have names. I wrote them down movie. and I'm not going to look for them. Yeah, but then sure. we jump ahead to Jason on a boat. This movie has the most characters that don't have names. Some of them are even victims, i.e. Irish cop and sanitation <laughs> worker and crew member. Right. Deckhand. To, to be fair, if you gave those people names, I would never figure out who was who. 
because Officer they, O'Reilly. He's the one cop in the movie. That's okay. all you needed. But the sanitation worker and the crew member, Tom and Harry. How do I know which one is Tom and which one is Harry? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Harry, <laughs> <laughs> Dick, and Tom. Um, well, even the deckhand who is around a lot doesn't have a character name. And then he gets an axe in the back. <laughs> he doesn't have a fucking name. And I'm just like, come on, guys. Give me this one. Give me these names. I want names. See, I'm different about horror movies and not horror movies. Because I like Fight Club, but I understand like why Edward Norton doesn't have a name. Because I also read the book. Mm-hmm. In horror movies, if you're a victim... You've talked about it. I want a, I want a little empathy. So give me your fucking name, so I can go R.I.P. Tom, Dick, and Harry, or for. I just think like a character that small, I would only ever refer to him as the crew member anyway. Or for Jason X, R.I.P. Soldiers number one through four that die in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But then all the. But all um, the the space marines all have names. All the space marines. <laughs> yeah, like like Gecko or, or something like that. Gre- Greco? Hold on. I, wrote I think it's down. Gecko, like the animal. You're probably right. Let me find them. <laughs> Private Sven, Private, Private Gecko, Private Condor. Sven? Uh, um, Sven. <laughs> so I don't know why that's the funniest possible name, but it is. Uh, and then there's also Private Dallas, Private Briggs, Private Kicker, and then Sergeant Brodsky. But yeah, Private Sven, Private Gecko, and Private Con- uh Sven is the one whose neck gets snapped. Condor gets thrown on the giant drill. Gecko's throat is sliced. Kicker gets cut in half. Briggs gets impaled by an anchor. Hmm. I don't know what happens to Dallas. Did I write that? Is oh, Dallas wait. the one who gets screwed? No, that's Condor. Uh, oh, okay. Dallas is the one that is playing the game with Azriel, the stoner. Right. And then Jason shows up and they're too stoned to know the difference between him and a video game. <laughs> how how sick are video games in the future that you can't tell the difference between real Jason Voorhees and virtual Jason Voorhees? That's pretty cool. Well, how stoned are you that you don't know that there's a real person standing there trying to kill you? I want some of that future weed is all I'm saying. <laughs> God, we need like seven hours to talk about that movie. We need seven hours to talk about any of these movies on their own. Yeah. You know what? You know what? I can I can talk about Jason on a boat in two minutes or less. That's fine. <laughs> I do I'll like Dick. That's all you need yeah. to know. I do like the one it's one of my favorite kills in the whole franchise and it almost redeems the movie to me when he punches Julius's head clear off his body. That's, <laughs> funny. That's a funny scene. <laughs> uh. Did you think to take place in Madison Square Garden? That would have been so incredible. That would have been awesome. They Man, actually, I'm so mad they didn't actually get to do like any of the stuff they planned for New York. 
Uh, right? Because wasn't there, they were supposed to do like a scene like in like a Broadway theater during a performance. Yeah, they like I said, they're supposed to do one in the garden. Yeah. That, um, they're supposed to, there's like supposed to be one on the Brooklyn Bridge all over New York. Well, they, how long were they just running around Manhattan for? I mean, there's only that one scene that they're in Manhattan, really. Right, but like if they were able to like, if they were able to do what they planned and they were like in Midtown and then on the Brooklyn Bridge. Brooklyn Bridge, the Statue of Liberty as well, mm. and the Empire State Building. Um, Paramount told, told him that the budget will not allow him to spend that, that much time in New York. So like the subway scene, that's Canada because clearly the New York subways do not look like that, even no, they, in the 80s. They don't. Let's connect this to uh, another past episode, Shazam. You can tell that the New York City subway, quote unquote, unquote, uh, in this movie is the same subway system they used for Shazam, which is supposed to be Philadelphia. And it doesn't look like New York or Philadelphia whatsoever. That is Toronto's subway system. Toronto! (laughs) It's so clean. It looks futuristic. It is not American. God. Do you mind? Do you do you have other favorite kills in this franchise? Speaking of Julius and his boxing match, because I wrote down my favorite kill for every movie. Oh, I don't have my favorite kill for every movie. I can give you like top three. Okay. Uh, oh, eight. I did also keep a running list of how many titties we see throughout the franchise. Ooh, how many titties do we see? So we get close to Marcy in the first one. In part two, we see Terry. Uh, We were also supposed to see, um, I can't think of the character's name, but it turned out the actress was underage, so they had to cut her nudity scenes. The Sandra character? Sandra, yes. Um, It turned out the actress was underage, but they were supposed to get a full frontal of her too. Um, In part three, we see Debbie. In part four, we see Sam, Terry, Tina, and some man butt. We see butts from men in that movie. You know, know, equality. Um, In part five, we get a lot from Tina, but also Robin and Lana. Um, In part six, Jason lives. None. Uh, We've talked about that already. In the new blood, part seven, we get Robin and Sandra. So another character named Robin and another another named Sandra. They reuse character names a lot in this franchise. I'm surprised. Yeah, there are so many names. How do you keep like pulling from the same well of like 30 names? Anyway, uh, Jason on a boat, you get titties from Tamara in Jason Goes to Hell. You get uh, the FBI lady in the beginning for a little bit and then the campers and Deborah. And then Jason X, you get KM14 and the virtual campers. And then in the remake, you get Amanda, Chelsea, and Brie. So that's Chelsea a lot. is... Um... The one who goes wakeboarding or waterboarding. Will or the Ford? It is. Yes. Which is funny. I'm sorry. That one was funny. So I have only two that stick out. Kills, you mean? Kills, yes. Okay. I thought you were talking about tits, and I was like, well, they all have two. <laughs> Adrian in Jason X. And thank you for doing that, too, because I had fucking forever to look for. Uh, And in part four, Jason stabbing Paul in the dick with a harpoon. (laughs) Which, by the way, part four 
has the longest time between deaths in any of the movies, mm. which is yeah. 23 minutes and 37 seconds. I counted. Yeah. So that's from the hitchhiker, the hippie hitchhiker, to Sam. Yeah. Uh, the one that om- the actress who almost got hypothermia. They spend a lot of time with the one house of um, teenagers who are just there to party for the weekend. There is a lot of time spent just with them and like learning their personalities and their relationships to each other. That's one thing I really like about the fourth one is that we do get to spend so much time just with these characters being kids and just being goofy and friends to each other instead of just cut it. Oh, let's just cut right to the chase and kill them off. Isn't Um, it also with one? Yeah. I just feel like there, there are so many relationships we learn about in that one, in part four. You know, you've got two couples who are there and you learn a lot about each couple and their very different dynamics. And then you've got the Crispin Glover. Oh, Crispin Glover is another one who got famous after these movies. That's true. Well, and like right after. Right. He was another one. He got real lucky with uh, Back to the Future right after this. Yes. Um, but yeah, and we get a lot on like him and his friend, and then you bring in those two twins who start partying with them and everything, and you really learn, like you get a good feel for how all of those people know each other already and how they all feel about each other without them having to like, for the most part, come out right and say, you're my best friend. Dead. Yeah. Um, and then so you have like, the rando twins. Yeah. Their, their dynamic with each other is interesting, but they still are there to add more drama to the pre-existing relationships with the people in that house. Okay, I tell you, I love watching the documentaries because those actresses talk about how they're like, we're supposed to be hot and we were wearing these ugly striped <laughs> shirts <laughs> with our hair done in a top button that made us look like we were from the Victorian era. And I was like, yes. Uh They do look like librarians. And there's, if you pay attention close enough, their shirts, the stripes are opposite. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. They're inverted. And I was just like, (laughs) what? I still didn't know which one's which. One of them is named Tina and one of them is named Harry. And I forget which one is supposed to be the hotter one, but one of them is supposed to be a hotter one. Is it the one that ends up sleeping with Crispin Glover? I think so. Tina is the hotter one. Okay. (laughs) Um, See, my notes come in handy. (laughs) But that is one of the things that I really appreciate about part four. And it does make you feel, you know, they're not like the greatest people ever. You're not like, oh no, we lost, you know, somebody who had such a bright future ahead of them. But it does make you a little bit more sad about their deaths and like a little bit more you want to root for them a little bit harder because of that as opposed to you know the later ones especially like for example part eight where the ones who are best developed are either the survivors or the ones you hate the most and then everyone else is just kind of like well that's a person who exists and i guess is going to die oh i also felt bad i also liked eva's death in part eight because is that kelly whose character yes Okay. Because it's he, it was one of the few times that Jason uses his bare hands to kill somebody. Yeah. Without, like, popping their head off or anything like that. <laughs> or crushing their skull. Yeah. 
So it felt... He, he does love a good skull crush, though. He does, but it felt very personal. Mm, mm, okay, I see what you mean. Intimate, in a way. Yeah, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. It, it, didn't, it didn't feel hokey or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's one that they also had to cut down or something, right? Or they no, she did it herself, and... Well, yes, they did have to cut it down. And then Kane Hodder... Because that was like uh, the second one of Kane Hodder. Yes. Yes. His um, first one was part seven. He was surprised at how she did the stunt. Because that's actually her. That's not a stunt double. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to throw you. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I actually... Yeah, no. That is the second one of Kane Hodder. Sorry. I wanted to fact check myself. <laughs> I did it. Don't worry. I believe you. <laughs> but what, what... Okay. Give me your top three. My top three kills. Oh, no. We talked about this when we talked about this in a separate episode in the original Friday the 13th when Jack, Kevin Bacon's character, gets the arrow through the throat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense if you, like, use your brains for more than two minutes. Um, but the effect is really, really cool. So I love it just because I love that special effect. And that's pretty great. That's also um, the one that had the accident, too, right? Where yeah. the blood... Was supposed yes, to just it, like bubbled a little bit, bubbled because, out and like yeah. squirted, but it was supposed to just slowly drip instead. Yeah. A happy accident, I should say. <laughs> yeah, uh, my favorite delightfully stupid kill is Vinny in Part Five, The New Beginning, who gets the road flare in his mouth. Oh, the greasers! <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about them. <laughs> there's two more characters who have nothing to do with the entire rest of the movie, but you know, body count fodder. Ah, uh, so gay. <laughs> I'm not going to say Adrian or Julius because we already talked about them, but I do love those deaths. I will talk about in part six, Jason lives Bert, who is the paintball guy. Who's like the raging misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, <laughs> Oh he my has God, his so own funny. machete that he's swinging around while paintballing. <laughs> and he's <laughs> complaining about, oh, yeah, oh. he's the one that <laughs> he gets the machete, rips the arm off, and the blood. Oh, I, took a, <laughs> I took a picture of the happy face yeah. with the blood on it. So. Yeah, Jason severs his arm off and then shoves his face into a tree and it leaves a happy face <laughs> mark. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's so it's great. And it's also like, that's a great example of instantly introducing a hateable character and then killing them off before they can get too annoying with how hateable they are. Yes. Because even the... It, does, it can work to have a hateable character just to kill them off. When you keep them around for too long and their only characteristic is the thing that makes them annoying, that's what I don't like. So like in the remake? Yeah. That's what I think that spends way too much time with characters who are not well-developed, don't have very dynamic personalities at all. They're only annoying and you keep them around for way too long until finally they're dead. And it's just, if you're going to keep characters around for that long, make them interesting instead of annoying. If you're going to have annoying characters, kill them off right away so we don't have to waste too much time with them. I have nothing to say on top of that, but I have to say (laughs) that I think we talked about all of my notes. Is there anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't mention? I guess everything that I would want to mention that I have in my notes would fall under special features. Okay. So let's do do 
some special features. Special features. Um, so I did want to point out, because I really like his work, Harry Manfredini did the score for the original Friday the 13th, and he actually went on to work for every single movie in the series, except for part eight, um, Jason Takes a Boat Ride, which was scored by Fred Mullen, and then he did not work on the remake, uh, Steve Jablonski did the score for that. But obviously it's still, both of those movies still use a lot of Manfredini's work and builds from his original themes. Um, but I really like his work and I thought it, it's pretty interesting to me that he's like, outside of the actual producers, he's like the one con most consistent element in the whole franchise. You said he did do number five? Yes. Can I just say that ending musically was beyond gorgeous mm -hmm. where it morphed from the to whatever it, i forgot i didn't write it down did i i don't think i wrote it down yeah no it, it's it it's really interesting how they use the you know the iconic which is the Voorhees theme because it's jason's theme but it comes from Pamela's own recollection of how he sounded to her. So it's a Voorhees theme and Roy Burns has nothing to do with the Voorhees, but it is interesting how they still made it make sense with his own individual theme. Does that make sense? Am yes. I making sense right now? But okay. I mean, at the, at the end in the, um, in the hospital with Tommy oh, Jarvis. Yeah. The fake out ending. Where did he kill them? <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't talk about it, but that one. No, I, I love the work that he did on these movies, and I, I'm so happy that they were able to keep him. And I do like that each movie still has sort of its own musical flavor. It's not the same score reused over and over again. It fits the mood of whichever current movie it is. Like, it gets, you know, a little bit more faster paced as the movies get a little bit more comedic in tone. <clears throat> um. <laughs> What's that face for? The comedy of these movies that it's accidental <laughs> well part six is intentional for the most part the comedy well yeah but i meant more like parts seven through nine and even parts of three yeah well oh oh we did not even mention that part three was originally released in 3d and boy oh, can you tell <laughs> you can see the strings Oh my god. My favorite, they'll find any excuse to show anything, not a kill, anything in 3D. Like, oh, here, I'm just gonna be juggling some apples. Let's play with the yo-yo. <laughs> uh, do you have any other special features? Um, I did want to talk about the FX artists for each movie. Okay. Um, because they are FX happy, and I feel like they deserve their due. So the first one was Tom Savini, uh, part two, Carl Fullerton, part three, Douglas J. White, Alan A. Apone, and Frank Carrison. I couldn't determine which one was like the head FX guy. They were all gotcha. sort of equally billed as FX artists. 
Part four brings back Tom Savini from the original. I could not find the head FX artist again for part five. And I didn't feel like rewatching the movie for it. Basically, the ones who got the most credit for it, it doesn't really matter. Did, I anyone, just thought, like, did anyone else uh, repeat into later years? No. Did they have a new team every time? Um, they had, I think, some of like the same team members came back. I don't think it was the he- same head FX artist for any other movies. Sorry, I just had a flash from Chris Lick Memories. Nope, like, there were, wrong there were one. people who wrong were... <laughs> oh, I didn't write it down. Somebody was an assistant to Tom Savini who was then promoted to head FX artist on one of the other films. I can't remember who it was. And that's, that's good. Gonna, yeah, that's going to bother me. So I don't know how many situations there were like that. Um, because again, for especially a lot of like the middle ones, the movies were low budget enough that there's really not that much documentation on the production outside of what you would find in Camp Crystal Lake Memories. Which again, recommended watch that too. If you love this franchise, watch it. (laughs) Yes. I did notice, I guess this isn't really a special feature, but I'm throwing it in here anyway. Um, I did notice that a lot of these movies use storms and they really sort of emphasize that Jason is a force of nature by like having nature itself sort of herald his arrival in a lot of the movies. So for example, obviously in the first movie, we do see a storm's coming and for most of the climax, it's raining outside and there's a, there's a thunderstorm, which sort of adds the mood of everything. But they do repeat a thunderstorm in part two, part four, part five, uh, part six, part seven, briefly there's a thunderstorm, there's thunder in like one scene. Wait, which one? Part Part seven. Seven. Yeah. Uh, When Robin gets killed by getting thrown out of a window, there's thunder and lightning outside. But it's the only scene where I noticed a lot of thunder or lightning. Okay. Eight, there's rain, right? Yeah, eight, there's rain. They're also on the water for most of it. So there's still, you know, a water element anyway. I'm going to be honest, I did not pay enough attention to part nine to notice if there was thunder at any point. I don't <laughs> I don't. so. No. And then part, Jason X obviously is um, in space. So no thunder. There was the, um, when they went to Earth, there was that storm going. There was, yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, it works. <laughs> and then in the remake, um, there wasn't one there remake there is uh oh there is one at the end at the very climax yes but i do like how much they really i know it's like a overused trope in a lot of horror movies anyway but i think it's very fitting for a character like jason Voorhees and pamela Voorhees by extension that there's a heavy emphasis on nature and roy (laughs) wow and roy (laughs) and roy Roy is like the, uh, I guess he's the jam of the Oh, Hey, did you find Gordon, by the way? Have you found him yet? I have not found Gordon. Okay. I'm still looking for Gordon. Yeah. Like I'm looking for the books. Oh, tell me about these books. So, much like Final Destination and a lot of other movies, there's novelizations of one, two, two versions of three, Jason Lives and Jason X. And then you have the YA novel series called Camp Crystal Lake series. It's 
based around people finding Jason's mask and getting possessed by him. I'm going to let so, that one simmer. more related to part nine than the rest of the series. But it's not a demon that is through gay sex eating, or anything. Or eating a heart. Eating a heart. The Jason X series, which are four books that take place uh, after the movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because the first one is called The Experiment. And scientists try to create a super soldier from Jason's DNA. And apparently shit goes wrong. I'm sorry, that's a dumb idea. If you have a supernatural demonic killer, don't try to clone him. Well, there's uh, the second one is called Planet of the Beast, which on Planet 666, Jason is revived accidentally and was supposed, he was supposed to be cloned. And, on the third, and in the third book, Dead Moon, Jason attacks wayward girls in a finishing school, Moon Camp Americana. <laughs> and then in the fourth book, fourth and final book of the series, it's called The Power of the To the Third Power. Jason on the Moon of Americana under is under a prison complex and then just starts murdering people. And then you have this other series called the Friday the 13th series. They are five books. I'll give the brief synopsis of these. Synopses? Synopsis. <laughs> um, the first one is called Church of the Divine Psychopath. It's a prequel to Jason Goes to Hell. Second one's called Hell Lake. Jason and a serial killer fight their way out of hell. Hate Kill Repeat takes place between Seven and Jason Goes to Hell about a serial killer couple trying to team up with Jason. The ah. Jason strain is like our very first episode, but with Jason. <laughs> so, so you're in the Hunger Games, but one of you is Jason. Yes. And the rest <laughs> of the, the rest of the, remember when I talked about the condemned mm-hmm. in that movie and the, how they were the all prisoners? Was, yes. Yeah. The it's that basic. One. It's more so that. Okay. Okay. With Jason. Okay. And then you have Carnival of Maniacs. Pamela Voorhees is alive and looks for Jason, who is trapped as a sideshow attraction. (laughs) I have been scouring Amazon. So this is another call to action, because I know somebody out there knows how I can get these. Yeah. Because I fucking want to read all of them. There's no digital copy. I'm not spending $52 on, like, a 200-page book uh, on (laughs) Amazon. Or, nor am I spending $300 on a book. Mm. Thank you very much. There's got to be a collector out there who is willing to loan out books as a private library or something. Is that a thing? If people are generous, it could be a thing. (laughs) Uh, And then there's also comic books. um, Mm. Different iterations of it. Mm Mm-hmm. My favorite is the Jason versus Leatherface that I found. Mm. That came out in 1995. But again, dear listener, if you know where I can find the books, I'll give you my. I'll get. I'll. Will we do this every episode? But you can at me for that. Yeah. Um, but first, let's do some final thoughts. Oh wait, I was going to talk about real quick how it changed production companies partway through the series, and that's why some of them don't have Friday the Thirteenth in the title. Oh, right. Nine doesn't have it in the title because it went Neither to... Neither does Jason X. Platinum Dunes? That's no, when... Went to Paramount. 
that's when it went to New Line, um, New Line. which is uh, an offshoot of Paramount. Um, they were Paramount, then they went to New Line, because then they, starting with Seven, they were teasing Freddy versus Jason, right? Right. Um, but that's why you get to the final Friday, which does not have Friday the 13th in the title, nor does Jason X, because they could not legally use Friday the 13th in the title. And then Platinum Dunes is another company that did the remake. Right. That's Michael Bay's company. And they bought the rights for the franchise and the title, so they were able to do the remake. Woo! All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Let's do it. We do things differently on franchise episodes with final thoughts. We ask four questions this time. Shady, yes. did you like the franchise? Franchise as a whole? As a whole. It's got such high highs and such low lows that I will come out medium on it. Like I said at some point, this is like a warm blanket on a fall day. On a crisp <laughs> fall day for me. I'll watch it all the time. Um, I mean, I've obviously watched each of them multiple times, so I can't say I dislike it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I'll binge it. I'll binge as many as I can on in a day. I think my I, record is five. Anytime there is a Friday the 13th in the real world, I'll usually watch two or three of them on that Friday. Just because it's fun. What's your ranking order for the move for the franchise? Starting from your the best to the worst. My favorite, I, I think I've said enough for people to guess already, but my favorite is part six, Jason Lives. Oh, I love okay. it. I, I think it's genuinely really fun. I think it, it does enough to change up the formula without like making you completely like, like, I think it has a lot of fun with the formula and I think the jokes do really work. And also the kills are really fun and original. It's not the scariest one. I think the scariest one is part two. So I would rank that second. Yeah. So for me, it's six, two, one, four. And that's when I stopped caring about them a little bit. But I would probably, <laughs> probably part three, part seven, part five, Jason X. No, I would put Jason X above part five. Yeah. So then Jason X, part five, probably Jason goes to hell. And then the remake, and then Jason Takes Manhattan is the worst one. I, All right, I mine is really very. One. <laughs> mine is very different. Okay. I go one, two, six, five, four, three. Reboot X seven goes to hell eight. Okay. I'm agree with you on Jason on a boat. It's just. I like it's not even like, it's not fun enough to be fun. Yeah. It's scary enough. It's it's just a meh. Yeah. Like at least in its defense, Jason X is really stupid, but it knows it's stupid, so it has fun with it. And Jason Goes to Hell is not very good, but it does something different and it tries something really different with the effects. So like you kind of have to admire its ambition. Jason takes Manhattan is like that one is the one that feels the most cynical in that they just made it so they could make more money. I feel like, though, with the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, though, mm -hmm. I mean, that's one line, really. Yeah. But I feel like I like six the most. Yeah. And then five and four are, like, right next to it. Mm. And then, although Jason Goes to Hell, for me, is the second to last one, mm -hmm. like... It's still fun, and then eight is just like 
way out in left field. Yeah. Just so far away. Like, at least the other ten, <laughs> ten movies, they, they have, they bring something to it that it's like, even fucking three brings something to it. Yeah. Where it's funny now or funny then or there's still a little, like, jump scare that you didn't expect. Yeah, it's some of the kills are still good. It gives Jason his hockey mask. And it's also the only one that uh, really hints at Jason's life at all between when he supposedly died as a child and when he resurfaced as a serial killer. Like, even Five had humor with the jumping cat. Five, I do find, gets better every time I do watch it. I hate it. It was my least favorite for a long time. See, I like it because it's not Jason. That's why I like it. I, th- I think that's part of why I didn't like it. Now you're appreciating it. You're not, not even liking it. it. I still think like Roy is like not a great character. <laughs> well, I mean, like the fact that it's not Jason. Forget that it's Roy, but it's somebody else pretending to be Jason. Well, it's not. I mean, it's more I'm appreciating the parts of it that I'm like, oh, this was made on cocaine. Now it makes sense. <laughs> now it makes sense. I mean, I think we've answered this, but would we watch them again? I mean, I have watched them all multiple times. Yeah, Um, so we've already answered that question. (laughs) Um, And then finally, are they actually the same? I'm going to say yes, except for Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. Okay, I would agree with you, but also add that Jason X is still the same thing. They just added a twist to it. You know what? Revise. I agree with you. (laughs) at first i was like but it's a little because we meant you mentioned earlier it's a little more science fiction and everything and they're clearly like i don't know if they meant it to be a parody but it is a parody yeah it is i guess that one along with part six and in different ways they're the most tonally different from the rest of the series right but they still follow that plot formula quote unquote Mm. i'm air quoting and you can't see this because it's (laughs) an audio medium I think you could also maybe make an argument that part one and part five are separate from the rest of the series just because the killer's motivation is different. But also, does it really matter what the killer's motivation is? No, they're the same, though. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a, in those two, it's a parent avenging a child versus the rest of them, it's a child. Oh, I see what you mean. It's, yeah. They're it, the it, same with each other. Right, right, right. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, no, they, they are the same as the rest of the movies, but inverted in terms of the killer's motivation. Well, Shady, I think, we've, mm-hmm. I think we're, we should put a pin in this. <laughs> and we'll revisit Friday the 13th again in a few episodes. But if you have any thoughts or feelings, or if you, or if you can fucking tell me where I can buy these goddamn books... Please at me at Movies John. That is John without an H for a reminder on Twitter. If you want to at me, I'm not going to show you my titties. So please don't ask. No. But um, you can at me for other requests. And tell me if you find Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Either, or Muffin. Where's, where's Gordon? Or Muffin? Or Paul? Or Paul. Where is Paul? What happened to Paul. Anyway, if you have the answers to those questions, you can at me at Cookie O'Shady, or you can at the podcast. On Twitter, we are at Movie Deja Vu. 
on Gmail. We are at Movie Deja Vu. No, we're not at Movie Deja Vu Pod. Nope. Because that's not <laughs> if you want to email us, we are Movie Deja Vu Pod at gmail.com. That's M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you want to like our stuff on Instagram, uh, we are Movie Deja Vu Pod. And we're on Facebook, also at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And maybe you can tell us, like, a little more about Duke uh, uh, on any of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's his deal? Well, we know his deal, but, like, what's his deal in this movie that we're given? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And next week is part one of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Man, I'm so excited to talk about that. Uh, we're going to have nightmares. <laughs> Ayo. Thank you for listening to us compare these movies. We'll see you next week. Well, we'll you'll listen to us next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.